0: Good morning, and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. We're promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and as always, every week, we are here to help you, our listeners, to empower you, our listeners, to knowing, being, and... And that's what we uh, tend to do every time we get the air. And so we're excited that you're tuning in with us. As always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. There's several ways you can do it. The primary way, if you want to get your thoughts, insights, uh, uh, dialogue in live on the air, you can do so by calling 347-237-5230. That is the number to call to get that, that thoughts out in the open. Everything's out in the open. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you can do. <laughs> you, you call that number three four seven two three seven five two three zero. That's the number to call. Also, you can follow us on our Facebook, the Zero Network on Facebook. Go to that page, like that page, and you can catch up on all kinds of broadcasts. You can also share your insight and uh, commentary there on the page on the under the uh, show link wherever you want to do you can do that also follow us on twitter the show twitter uh, handle is at zero radio and my personal handle is at prophesy on twitter so follow us there we're trying to trying to do that also we're on periscope now at prophesy Four on periscope so you can see the uh something like a live stream of the show um uh I'm having problems with the periscope. I'm trying to get it up later on. Uh I'm not good at multitasking. I've been doing quite a few things. <laughs> anyway. Uh so you can follow us. uh, uh hit me up on my email, pastor Lorenzo Neal at gmail dot com. That's the uh email if you want to follow us. Uh, also, like I said, um uh, we are on Facebook and go to the show page that's block dot com slash zero today. And subscribe and like the show. Follow the show. You get updates and all kinds of things we try to do. You also see some of the shows that we are following. So you can see a variety, have a, a great great variety of things that we do. And as always, we invite you, I invite you to go visit my personal blog, uh, LorenzoTNeal.com. Every now and then I, I may post some interesting stuff. Uh, stuff, an uh, article here or there, things I come across in the WordPress uh, feed, uh, you know, just it's a lot of stuff, you know, not always my my uh, own writing, but we do that. So those are some of the ways that you can get involved with us here on Zira Today. And again, it is a wonderful fall day, the last day of September. And I'm excited. I don't know if you're excited, but I'm excited. And everything as well, but uh we're gonna be talking a little bit about uh the Pope's visit. We're gonna recap some of the things that he did while he was there, and uh some of the words that he spoke uh both to the u n to the congress and through uh through his homilies at the mass that he uh that he um presided over and we're gonna also talk about uh this little thing that kind of slipped up on a lot of people it was supposed to be the world again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. You heard me. This last few days of September was supposed to be the culminating event, either leading to the rapture or end time level event. Uh, uh, y- and and we're going to help you as a believer. If you're a Christian believer, we're going to help you understand uh we about Bible prophecy, but, you know, we, we're not Bible prophecy scholars, we're not trying to do any of that, but just to arm you with knowledge of what, if it should come, how should, what should you do, how should you be prepared for Christ's coming, and simple, we'll talk about that, uh, but before we get into all of that, of course, we want to get, go to the Lord in prayer, so let's do that, and then we'll get into some of the headlines of the day. Father, we just want to say thank you for your, your, today, for your grace and your mercy, Thank you for your loving kindness that's better than life. Thank you for bringing us to the end of the month of September, another day of new mercies and compassions. Now, God, as we go into the broadcast, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Our strength and our redeemer, we pray. Amen. So there's a lot uh, going on in the headlines, and I just want to... Get a few of the headlines that's been going on it. Uh, on Monday, this this one thing my, caught my attention. On Monday, uh, presidential Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump, who is uh, the lead uh, the front runner right now, that may change over time. You know, the primary season really hasn't begun, um, but he's the lead as far as polls and getting all the media attention. On this past Monday. He met with several influential charismatic Christians mostly. Uh mostly persons on the Trinity Broadcasting Network. Um he met with some of their uh on air personalities and you know, some of their some of their um, show hosts. And they met in one of his private buildings in New York on Monday and um one of my uh Acquaintances here from the city of Jackson, who hosts the local TBN uh, affiliate, was up there, and he got a chance to meet uh, Mr. Trump and several other uh, pastors, and and uh, he he hasn't really shared his experience. Hopefully, we can get on, get him on, and maybe he'll share some of the experiences that he had while up there. But it was very very wonderful thing, uh, from what he shared, very insightful and um, yeah the takeaway that most of them says that Trump is he's honest in his faith whatever that faith is he he has said that he is a christian uh but you know he's made some controversial statements about christianity he once he did say that he does not uh ask for forgiveness you know he he doesn't believe uh or he will not ask for forgiveness but that's just one thing he, you know, he describes. He believed that if you make a mistake, you own up to it and you know, you know, dust off and go forward. And in some ways, that's a good that's a good philosophy. You know, I'm sure, it's a very a workable philosophy in the business world. You know, how it applies to Christianity is a different thing. You know, but hey, <laughs> you know, he's not a Bible thumping, scripture quoting, uh, evangelical person, which you know which has him yeah while there are these you know these great a lot of the white evangelical Christians are supporting him over Mike Huckabee, over Ted Cruz, uh because these two guys are the most outspoken when it comes to uh Christianity. Jeb Bush, although he's a Christian, um he's not outspoken about his faith. You know, his brother won the two thousand election. Uh largely because he publicly acknowledged that he was a born again Christian and that rallied that that wing uh the, the Republican party that pushed him over the edge. and he he got their support uh for two terms and he introduced you know uh George W Bush introduced what he called compassionate conservatism and i i you know i bought into that i was one of those who uh when he rolled out his faith-based initiative i was one of the pastors who uh promoted it and helped other pastors engage and you know get necessary resources you know, i don't know how it's worked but <laughs> yeah it's still going on so there's there's that that is that and uh so he met with these um he met with these pastors and one pastor was there that was Bishop Clarence McClendon, of course you're probably familiar with him from the Preachers of LA uh television series on oxygen and he met and you know um Paula White was one of the persons who met. Uh there was a Jewish rabbi there who also Trump met and gave him an Abrahamic blessing. So uh, you can probably go, um, I'm sure it's probably on YouTube somewhere you can visit, or you can go to uh, the Old Black Church. I know Ann Brock and her crew, her team, they get a a, a story on that, so you can probably go, go there and read more about it. But it's just interesting, you know. Uh, the evangelical church, Christian church in the United States is – has become a very, very influential party. And Republican candidates know they can't go anywhere, without, anywhere uh, too far without courting them. Of course, Rick Perry did that, and Scott Walker, he attempted to do that, but, you know, again, uh, they didn't go anywhere with them. So it is what it is. And, and have yeah, we'll just see how, how this comes out. You know, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if they're endorsing him or his run or anything like that, but at least he's trying to appeal to that to that segment, and and it's interesting he didn't reach out to the Southern Baptist Convention or or the typical evangelical Christian. You know he reached out to ones that I he knew to be as far more fluent influential. Uh, you know the television industry. You know the entertain the Christian entertainment, and he didn't go through Pat Robertson or Glenn Beck. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't think Glenn Beck in, endorses him either. So it is what it is. So that's just one of the things. Uh, so it's going to be interesting how that turns out. Oprah Winfrey has rolled out a new series that uh, premiered last week, and it's called uh, "Belief." Uh, and I am fully convinced that Oprah Winfrey is not a Christian. And not that it really matters to a lot of people, you know, inspiration is inspiration to some. But, uh, you know, she has a she did have a Christian background, and but now she's more of a universalist. All paths lead to God and there's infinite spirit and power within all of us to create our own destiny and uh, more along the new thought you know, new age kind of thing, just embracing it. But uh, this new series covers the gamut of all spiritual experience from Hindu to Christianity, uh, all facets of it. I think they'll be exploring mostly, uh, 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 you know, the more liberal progressive ends of that. And it's just interesting, you know, and I said this before and I said it again, uh, I believe that, uh Networks like hers own and shows that she promotes are really pushing uh, the secular agenda. And the secular agenda is simply to um, not make anyone feel excluded. Everybody should be the same. Everybody should feel the same. Everybody should be happy wherever they are. And mean old Christians need to stop trying to promote their way and let everybody find their own way. And that sounds good, but, you know, Those of us who adhere to Scripture, we know that ain't right. But it is what it is. We'll we'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, that's something. It's kind of interesting because, you know, I'm I'm not sure if you guys know Rob Bell, who was a pastor. He was a very influential pastor at one time uh, in the emergent church, as it was known then. Uh, And He's the author of... um, what is that book on love? I can't think of it. I have a copy of it somewhere, uh, but that book, his la- one of his latest books. Uh, golly, can't think of it right now. But in that book, he kind of goes into his idea of you know uh, universal love. You know, God loves everyone. You know, there's no hell no for anybody. And again, you know, sounding off that. Calton Pearson ideal, not quite inclusion. Uh he went, didn't go that far. He still proclaims himself to be a Christian. Uh but he 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 again has become more uh, of a universalist. Uh not quite a Unitarian but a universalist. But anyway he had a, a talk show or something. Uh he's been on a speaking tour with Oprah Wedfrey and of course now he's endorsing the show Spirit along with some other persons, uh Bishop Uh, Joseph Walker, who is now the presiding bishop of the Full Gospel Baptist Church Fellowship, has gone on record also as endorsing the series, Um, and this is what he says. He says, prepare yourself for an experience of a lifetime, and Oprah Winfrey has produced a series. Uh, a series that will ignite a much-needed conversation about tolerance, faith, and love. As a faith leader, I was changed forever. As a theologian, I am reminded what Soren Kierkegaard, one of my favorite authors, of course, um, said, Every mental act is composed of doubt and belief, but it is belief that is positive, the positive. It is belief that sustains, doubt, and holds the world together. World get ready. It will be an October experience to remember. So, and I have great respect for uh, Bishop uh, Walker and the things that he's he's done there in the Nashville city of Nashville and now as presiding you know, presiding uh, bishop of the Full Gospel Baptist Church fellowship. It's just interesting, you know, and the fact that he co- quoted Soren Kierkegaard again. Uh, one of my, I uh, probably between him, he and Paul Tillich, most influential on my. Uh, existential Christian existential thought so and, and 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 like I said you know I'm all for belief in what he said I, I actually agree with what he quoted you know he didn't quote him out of context but we just have to be careful if we're going to be Christians we just have to be careful what we eat from and I've explored uh, and like him you know theologian and, and I've explored the various sects of the religious experience and and it's a wonderful thing to do to get out of your to get out of your safety zone, to get out of your comfort zone when when you're exploring. And you'll find tenets in other religions that underscore uh undergirds the teachings of Jesus of Nazareth in Christianity. And you know, that's not unusual, but you we know, just gotta be careful. Those those are things you know, if you're gonna watch it, go ahead and watch it. I can't Tell you not to. You just be uh, careful when you're watching. You don't want it to, uh, you know, want it to take away from, from what you know. But also allow yourself to be stretched. That's the way of the world, you know. Allow yourself to be stretched, be beyond what you used to. Anyway, it's neither here nor there. But those are just a few. Guys. There's a couple of things. Uh, you go to pimppreacher.com. They're still talking about Pastor Tim Maddox uh and the Union Grove Baptist Church, even he's no longer the pastor there, the ramifications of his actions are still being felt in that small Georgia community. Uh and it's just sad when pastors go wild and crazy like that, uh you must remember that it's not the pastor's church. It's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the church is the body of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. And we'll talk about that later if we you know, but as shepherds we are really under shepherds christ is the chief apostle he is the great high priest and all we are to do is to serve him you know or follow him as and have others follow us as we follow christ Uh, you know we are not to be um manhandlers we're not to be slave masters or task masters you know we're not to be that. we're to be shepherds under shepherds of christ and um, it, it grieves me when I hear stories of pastors who abuse their members like that. And I'm not just talking about, you know, that that's an extreme, extreme one. But how many times have you gone to a church and you get up there and you're ready to hear a word from the Lord and the pastor takes out his anger against some member in his sermon? And he doesn't name the person, but you could tell that, that, that sermon is directed toward an individual. And I've been in services like that. I tell you, it grieves me when pastors do that. Whenever I have an issue, and I know I'm going a little bit over time, but whenever I have an issue with a with a member, I talk to them. I do not take it out from the pulpit to exert my authority and let them know that I'm the boss. I'm the pastor. I'm the head Negro in charge. No, I don't do that. It's a waste of my energy and my breath. <laughs> And I've had plenty of disagreements in 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 over twenty years of pastoring. I have had plenty of disagreements with my leadership and members. Some, you know, some knew better than I did, and uh, you know, especially when I was young, you know, in my my early twenties in pastoring. You know, I thought I knew it all, <laughs> uh, but you know, there have been moments when I was wrong. And there would have been moments when the members were wrong. Now, you know, I have a well balanced approach, and I try to be approachable to my members. I try to let them know that, you know, if you think I have said or done something wrong, come to me, and I promise not to blast you, put you on blast from the pulpit. You know that 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 doesn't need to be done. But we will definitely pray and seek the Lord to see how uh, resolution can best be come in a loving way. But that's just me, you know. Uh, I I ain't cut from the same rock as some of these dudes. Quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk. Uh, we're gonna do a recap of Pope uh, Francis's visit and uh, uh, talk about a bit what he said, and then we'll get into this end time failure. <laughs> so we'll be back right after this. I don't you ta- uh, change the dial now, cause I tell you, I'm I'm excited to. hear my own voice if you're not. (laughs) We'll be back right after this. Jackson State University is not just another university, it's a community, it's a family, and that's not all. Jackson State University is a national leader in biomedical research and development with world-class science, math, engineering, and technology departments. At Jackson State University, we're leading the way in technology and innovation. One Jackson State University, changing lives one student at a time. I've been a victim of identity theft on more than one occasion, and I got to tell you, it's never been a pleasant experience trying to clean up the mess afterwards. That's why I decided to find a safe and secure way of protecting my identity and my good name through LifeLock. LifeLock is more than just a credit monitoring service. It provides full identity protection and monitoring and scanning for any threats to your identity so it can also quickly respond to it. Now, here's the other good thing I really love about LifeLock is that it offers a guarantee of up to $1 million should you ever become a victim of identity theft while using LifeLock. LifeLock is not an expensive thing. Plans start as low as $10 a month. I, I tell you, you ought to go there and check them out. Visit their website, www.lifelock.com, or call 1-800-607-7205 and enroll today, and I guarantee you will start to feel safer the minute you get it. LifeLock, you'll love it. At Farmers, we make you smarter about insurance, because what you don't know can hurt you. What if you didn't know that posting your travel plans online may attract burglars? Talk to Hawaii. What if you didn't know that as the price of gold rises, so should the coverage on your jewelry? Ah! What if you didn't know that kitty litter can help you out of a slippery situation? The more you know, the better you can plan for what's ahead. Talk to Farmers and get smarter about your insurance. We are Farmers. bum da, da, bum bum bum, bum. Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Zero today. I again am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and you know what? I'm excited. I'm excited because right now I have not had any technical difficulties. <laughs> no, I'm glad. I'm, I'm just kidding. Welcome back to the show. Uh, as promised, we uh, we're getting into this uh, recap of Pope Francis's visit to the states, and we invite you to come in and share your thoughts, whatever you thought. If you caught any of his visit, uh, if you watched CNN. MSN, BC, or uh, Fox News, I mean, that's all they streamed, every day, all day, from Wednesday, I think he arrived on Tuesday, but from Wednesday till Saturday, I mean, that's all they showed was every movement of the Pope, and it was interesting, you know, <laughs> I I saw these memes on Facebook that was just crazy. <laughs> And I, I reposted it. I ain't gonna lie I reposted a few of them uh but you know the biggest takeaway from Pope Francis's visit was the fact that uh he was riding in a Chrysler Fiat and you know that was that was the biggest news uh he 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 wrote in a, a very know, very econom- economical vehicle because his whole emphasis is been one has been one since he was elected to the papacy, has been one of simplicity. As a cardinal in South America, you know, he worked among the people, he rode public transport, transit, um, he walked and lived a simple life. Priests, when they when they are Ordained when they make their vows, they take their vows they uh some take vows of poverty, not all, but there are some who do, depending on um uh, what sect of priesthood do you uh enter you know in it. There are different different branches of them. but he's a Jesuit priest priests are known for uh, Their social activism, social engagement, and so he's taking a, he you know he's taking his his uh, vocation seriously, and he he he's keeping it simple. He so much so that the usual pomp and circumstance that goes with uh, the pope he he you know he 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 tolerates it, but you know he tries tries to limit it, and it was very noticeable during his visit here to the states. Um, he wears regular walking shoes instead of the red, uh, traditional papal red shoes. Um, he um, he doesn't live in the papal pot- apartment. Well, he lives in the complex, but he doesn't live in the, the room. He uh, you know he he lives in simplicity, so. A lot of the memes that I saw on Facebook were (laughs) targeted at uh, mostly American preachers, mostly black preachers who have taken this, uh, you know, this pastor thing to to a whole new level. You know, they they you know, the armor bearers and, you know, they 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 had a picture of the pope carrying his own bag uh, coming off the plane. And and so one meme said, uh, dear pastor, if the Pope can carry his own bag, why can't you? <laughs> and then there was another one uh that showed him riding of course in the fiat and you know, the dear pastor, uh or why why if the Pope can ride in a fiat, Pastor have to have a sixty five million dollar jet. You know, of course that was targeted at, at Creflo. Uh so it was a lot of hits. <laughs> a lot of hits to uh to a, the American, pastor cult, and then there was the uh, there was some who were talking about the vestments, uh, and uh, if you're not wearing, you know, the new new phase charismatic movement, they have gone into the wearing of vestments. and So most of the and I I think I talked about this on the last show, but most of the vestments that are worn by most of these new new um, neo evangelical charismatic Episcopal sees are, you know, such like the Church God of Christ or any other new fellowship, you're going to find them wearing vestments and, you know, they wear the bishop's vestments and what whatever, you know, carries the staff and all that. You know, I can give you the, tradition, the, the traditional names, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, so they are drawing from, and most of it draw from the Episcopal tradition, but uh I, I know uh, watching and, I, and I'm I'm making a very general statement here, but I I'm I'm assuming that a lot of these guys now are gonna step up their game. <laughs> you know, that that was probably the first time a lot of them saw a Catholic Mass and they saw uh the the peace the priest, you know, turning the pages of the book for the Pope. They saw the priest, you know, taking different things, you know. So I'm quite sure that there's gonna be new armor-bearer lessons out there on how you should really do, you know. Don't let your pastor even turn the page. (laughs) Don't let your bishop turn the page of the Bible, you know. (laughs) You do that. You stand. Yeah, It's funny. But anyway, um, the Pope's overall message was generally the same in every venue, and that was, one, display the love of Christ to all those who are the uh, all those who are outside, the love of Christ, generally, the love of God, should be displayed to everyone, in spite of their condition, in spite of their situation, their standing in society. Everyone should be dis- should see the love of Christ in action, and I completely agree. And you know, this Pope, he he showed love. He he blessed children and people who were disabled. He blessed, you know, it was just amazing how he was intently, intent on blessing people. And, um, and so he, he was involved and engaged with the people and his message was simple. You know, show the love of Christ. You might not like the person, but you still love the person because Christ loved you. Um, and, and then the second thing he he stressed was uh, careful environment. Now, now the you know with both of these things were politicized. Pope Francis is a traditional Catholic. He 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 believes in the sanctity of life, uh, the sanctity of the family, man and woman, marriage. He doesn't believe in marriage equality, and he didn't present that. He, you know, he's for, he's pro-marriage, he's pro-life, and all of this, even though he's the most progressive pope in modern history, he's still centered around that. But he did, he did express the fact that while he may believe that men, humanity is partially responsible for climate change, and he said we should be better stewards of the earth and the environment and again, that should be a message of all Christianity, you know, we are stewards God did call Adam to you know, to oversee the land you know, that's what he called him to do have dominion over it and that is our responsibility now there were those who were saying that he didn't push it enough you you know, trying to push the issue of climate change and the idea that men are responsible and we need to get rid of carbon emissions and all that, he didn't, he just simply said we need to be stewards better stewards of our environment. Now, um, well, that was one of the central themes of every homily and every statement that he made while visiting here. Uh, Again, we just have to be careful uh, how we carry that out. Because again, uh, we like just politicizing stuff here in the States. Uh, You know, we, we just like taking on an issue and just saying it's wrong, whether it, it you know, there may be facets of it and wrong, we're just going to do away with it altogether. So we just need to do a better job of taking in the Pope's message. Now, there was one controversial statement that I have seen and heard uh, regurgitated, and I did not hear this one, but uh, there, there are people who are saying that Pope Francis said that uh, Jesus failed. Uh, on the cross, and I don't, I don't know where that came from. And I've been trying to research it. A lot of people have been taking snippets, snippets of uh, sound bites, but uh, it was unclear to me the sound bites that I heard if that was what he actually said. But it's been floating around. It's gone viral on, on the internet. And like I said, I I don't know if he said it or not. I can't validate it, verify it. But, uh. He's a Jesuit Pope. I doubt very seriously if he said that uh, um, that the Pope Jesus failed on the cross. But uh, that was some people's means of attacking him again. And I was having a conversation with a couple of people that was like, "Well, you know, the Pope is the antichrist." And I said, "Well, you, you you know, they've been saying that for centuries. You know, even Martin Luther, Martin Luther, the great reformer, uh, said that of uh, the Pope of his time." And, and the church was the beast, and, you know, that's just been regurgitated for the last centuries, you know, and and people are, are, are treating that as new revelation, something like that, and if, if we go by, yeah, that, well, let me move on. This is my takeaway from what I heard, and I listened to a lot of the homilies that he did. I listened really to the one he did. At uh the Cathedral in Philadelphia, it was probably one of the better homilies that I heard him do and I've heard a lot of his homilies over the last year and a half, but that one was very poignant and direct, and I took away from it a lot. I think this Pope has the heart of the people, and now there are some who are saying this he's going to be the last Roman Catholic Pope, and you know. He's going to bring, usher in the end times, of, but that that's neither here nor there. And I might as well just, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I've been to the Roman Catholic church. I've I've been there, you know, uh, for funerals, for services, and our Methodists and our our services, our liturgy, our worship order, of worship is not much different, you know. It's been adapted, it's been modernized, um, and while we say, we talk, they sing a lot of the things that we talk, but it's still integrated into our order of service. And so um, I, I really appreciated the fact that it introduced to the pageantry of the church. I love the pageantry of the church. When I was in college, I used to play for all the, some of the high feasts, or high services, you know, during uh, the mass. Uh, and I had to learn uh, being a music major, I literally had to la- learn the entire, entirety of the mass. <laughs> I mean, the order, the Kyrie, uh, Elaison, all that stuff. Man, it was crazy. And I learned it backwards and forwards. And I, <laughs> we learned Gregorian chants. We learned. And it, it's a rich history. And I know I'm getting off on a tangent just a little bit, but I just, you know, there's this argument about secular music and gospel music and, you know, the world coming in, the church, and I, I have to remind people that, you know, this is a centuries-old argument, and uh, as far back as the Renaissance, as far back as the Middle Ages, you know, church musicians were, you know, secular musicians were hired by the church. The popes and the bishops and the cardinals, they were powerful rulers. You know, they they weren't just, they they were not just holy men. They were literally political figures who who amassed wealth and were able to support the arts? You know, it was the church who supported Michelangelo and all the greats of the Renaissance. You know, it was the it was the the church who supported Leonardo da Vinci, and it was the church who was trying to put him out. You know, when he didn't go with their way, it was the church who controlled all of this stuff. Um, but the pomp and the circumstance we see it in our in our. In our church every now and then. But I, I thought it was a good thing. Um, but uh also. What I also really admired. Is that there were a lot of. Non-Catholics. And non-believers. You know a lot. A lot of atheists and agnostics. They admired this Pope. And some were even saying. Can they join the Catholic. The Roman Catholic Church. And be atheists. And of course you know. I, I, it depends <laughs> anyway uh they were they were impressed by the humanity he displayed the love for humanity that he that he displayed and to them you know he 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 was the emblem of a secularized church you know a person who has come across as tolerant of all people and all beliefs and you could just get along with even if you don't agree with him that's a good thing and it's a bad thing uh, because, again, when you talk about Roman Catholicism, you're talking about a order that ascribes to you are in the church once you're baptized in the church. And the only thing you have to do to sustain your faith is attend a mass and confession, basically, you know, and you'll be pretty good. You take the Holy Eucharist weekly or however you want to do to, to it you know, as often as you do it. You take the Eucharist and you participate in confession and you're pretty good. You know, no other things required, you know. And of course, those of us who are evangelical, we ascribe to the faith that no, you must believe in your heart, confess it with your mouth that God raised Jesus of Nazareth from the dead and that he is the firstborn among many brethren. He is the great high priest. He is the chief apostle of our faith. He's our advocate and he is all of that and that he is coming again and that while many admire him as admire the pope as the vicar of Christ we are all uh we ascribe to the idea of the priesthood of all believers so everybody is the priest for their own life you you simply go to the lord you know the veil was torn and in the temple uh, on the day of Jesus' crucifixion which in being interpreted means that everyone has the opportunity to enter the holy of holies Without having to make uh having the high priest atone for the sins now the atonement has been done for all the um the the implication imputation of all our sins was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. We ascribe to that, and we believe that now we can do that and while having that as figure is a good thing and here's the thing now while Catholics see the Pope as the vicar of Christ. Unfortunately, we've kind of transliterated that into the evangelical church again with this new wave movement of you know the Episcopal's the Episcopal's movement in uh, uh, charismatic, mostly new charismatic you know churches or non denominational churches, where now as people are, as men and women are being elevated to to bishop the Episcop- episcopacy. These people are now saying that we are your way to God. You know, you, you come to Christ through us. We are the mediators <laughs> in, in so many words. That's what they act as. That's how they treat it. And uh, I was listening to a show the other day, and I put a shout-out to Church Folk Revolution. Um, and they did a show about these guys who were becoming bishops. And I, asked, I posed the question about apostolic succession. What does that mean? You know, is that even, you know, plausible for the evangelical church? But, you know, that's a whole different topic we'll get onto at another time. But, um, you know, a lot of the people who (laughs) were fascinated were fascinated because they believed that this Pope's visit tied in with some end time, uh, with the end time prophecy. And so I was trolling YouTube, and I've been doing this for the last several months. Uh, earlier this year, I came across um, I came across a YouTube page that that said that uh, this year 2015 would be the year of a lot of craziness, and it would ultimately lead to the end time. It would ultimately lead to the rapture and Christ coming again. And so, once I got there, I saw others, and I I was amazed at the at a plethora of persons uh, who were presenting the same information on YouTube, beginning as early as you know, people were saying as early as July that uh, we need to start preparing because Christ is coming back, the Rapture is going to happen. There were there were persons like Alex Jones and others who were promoting this idea that you know um, this is the end time, the w- new world order is going to happen because the government is, you know, basically training military, training the military to turn on its people, and you know, prepare for martial law, and then there was the other prism of that, that was saying, well, you know, this this is the year of Blood Moon, and if you read John Hagee, he was a big proponent, proponent of this Blood Moon thing, and uh, Perry Stone, another one of the Blood Moon, and the End Time Prophecy, and the Timelines, and things like this, I mean, they were just, it was just it was overwhelming because so many people were saying similar things that this is it. The signs of the time are lining up. Everything is coming in order. Is this is it? It is about to happen. What is about to happen? The rapture, an extinction level event, the coming of the Christ, the leading of the new world order, all kinds of craziness. That's that's what they were presenting. This is what people were saying, and so many people were were getting on their YouTube channels. But one person in particular, uh, a YouTuber by the name of Renee M, and she presented this thing called um, the End Time Prophecy Puzzle or something like that on YouTube. You can go there and just Google Renee M or End Time Prophecy Puzzle. And she presented, I mean, she was the one that a lot of people were drawing this um idea that the end of September 2015 would be the significant life-changing event for the world. She went so far as to say it is possible that the rapture would happen. And I tried to get some little clips uh from her show uh but I guess there was some, you know, face uh YouTube is cracking down on um on, um copyright issues and stuff like that. So some of the things I just could not could not do. I used to be able to get you know sound bites, but I wasn't able to do it this time. But there was some. There this is you know September the 23rd, twenty eighth, uh, lined up with Jewish festivals. Uh, first you had the uh, Yom Kippur, well Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year, and then you had Yom Kippur, which is the Jewish Day of Atonement and Repentance. Ten days before that you know that those are 10 days of repentance and then the very next week uh oh this week was the uh feast of tabernacles and that coincided with uh the uh blue moon the red blood the blood moon eclipse and so this was supposed to be a culminating list of events that was going to eventually lead to some some something phenomenal. And so a lot of them have, have had to kinda re, you know step back. But they, they you know, they were pushing this for months. And I was watching these things like okay and you know, a lot of them were very convincing, you know, I was like, okay. And then listening to some of the messages of the Pope Presenting this idea of a universal church, even though he never did say it, the idea that this pope is universally accepted, uh, is one of the things. Also, so there was, you know, there was a lot of things that caught my attention. I was actually watching, you know, and and there were news stories from made-up news stories. I can't say, but there were a lot of news stories about. Uh, asteroid, comets coming too close, and like this year is going to be one in particular that's so close to the Earth that it could possibly be knocked off of its orbit if it hit one of the orbiting satellites, and you know, it was going to hit the Earth and cause an extinction level event. Um, there was uh, what else? Some something. There was a lot that was there were people were saying that was supposed to happen. Because of this blood moon, and because of the pope's visit, and because of the feasts that were happening all at the same time, it was just perfect lineup for for the rapture, perfect lineup for the end of the world, all that stuff. So, you know, I I began to restudy study end time event and and um, end time prophecy, and I, let me preface this by saying I I subscribe to the belief that end time prophecy is really not end time prophecy because Paul during his time uh in the writings of Second Thessalonians was expecting the, the the return of the faith. Even in his writings in First Corinthians fifteen, you know, again he was and second Corinthians chapter five. They they had that expectation that this was it, this was going to happen. And then you had the uh the author of the Revelation, not Revelations, uh, but uh, the author of the Revelation, believe, be John, who was exiled on the Isle of Patmos at the time, and a lot of what he wrote, you know, with the four horsemen, with the dragon, and all of that stuff, you know, a lot of people scared to read that because, you know, it supposedly deal with end time events. But as more and more scholars on, you know, it, you know, they research and they they've come up with varied variations devi- of what it is, and most say, you know, he was speaking figurative and it's allegorical and even if it is, it still it still is very poignant to help us be ready. So I wanted to take this last few minutes of the broadcast to kinda give you an idea of what most people agree should be we should see or for end times, you know. Uh and uh of uh, uh, the day of the Lord. And you know, you can find a lot of what Jesus talked about regarding end times is in the gospel of matthew matthew 24 25 uh 20 part of 26 23 24 25 26 you'll find a lot of what he talks about in the end times separation of the goat and the sheep tears and the wheat um and then of course those um those who said they uh will follow him and he said i don't know you you didn't do anything and you know, and then the ones who did what he said you know he said come up high you know the, And then you get the parable of the uh the parable of the lost talents all kinds of stuff that he talks about and again you find it in I want to say Mark chapter 13 a, a little bit more of uh, what has been perceived as Jesus's um end time uh, or apocalyptic uh speech uh, sermons and then in uh, Luke uh 21, I believe, somewhere in there, 21, 22, you know, and then, of course, that correlates with uh, with uh, end-time things regarding the land of Israel, the nation of Israel, and Daniel, you'll know, find that in Daniel, some things in Daniel chapter 8, some things Zechariah, uh, in Zechariah and chapter 12 of Daniel, and Zechariah. Uh, just the entire book of Zechariah is a, a very good read, you know. Uh, <laughs> and Zechariah starts off with the 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 the, um, the four horsemen kind of thing too, and so and a and compilation of these elements, these scriptures and these stories have been combined into a workable timeline. And this workable timeline has been revised over centuries. You know, it's nothing new. And We know stories of people who have dated the time, and particularly that uh Miller in the 1840s, who, you know, said that the rapture was going to happen, and it didn't happen. Then he said it was going to happen again, it didn't happen, but it later led to the Millerites movement that has grown into several different factions of Christianity. Um, and probably the biggest proponents of end-time prophecy is the Church of God, and it's variations, you know, Church of God of Prophecy, the Church of God uh, uh, what else there's several, of them. Anderson there's a lot of them, but they all pretty much and uh, some uh, end time another one is the uh, Seventh Day Adventist Church, you know, they're big on end time prophecy, and yeah, you know, Doug Batchelor, who is the host of one of these television shows, uh, he, he does a lot of teaching on end time, but there there are some things that people say we should just look for and uh one was um the reestablishment of the nation of Israel. Now, although Israel has been reestablished as a nation, it is a secular nation, is not not uh is not the religious nation they do have a sect of jews over there a lot of them are jews but they also have christians and muslims who live in that in that area and of course you know the contested area of jerusalem with the dome of the rock and the western wall and stuff like that but there are christian churches there there are mosques there there are greek orthodox churches there uh in israel and of course a lot of christians are immigrating and and you know we're having this issue with the land uh, and the Palestinian area, so that's there. So, uh, but that was supposedly, and when it was established in 1948, that was seen as a fulfillment of prophecy. Then you have uh, what Jesus said: uh, it won't happen until the gospel is preached to every world, every nation in the world. And of course, we have that. You know, you have <laughs> there is not a nation in the world. That has not been touched by the gospel, they're not nations you know every nation is' not a christian nation and but right now you have Christian radio, you have Christian television that goes into at least a hundred there are a hundred and ninety two developed countries, and in that country you're gonna find something Christian, so that can be considered uh uh, uh in time fulfillment um. The uh, reestablishment of well, I guess that's you know, when they reopen the when when they reopen the Jewish temple, when they rebuild the Jewish temple, that some would say is a sign. Uh the establishment of the European Union or uh the ten nations that Daniel talked about uh in his prophecy, some are saying that's the European Union and uh you know that's a part of that. They consider that to be a fulfillment of of that, and there are a couple of other things um, that many people think has set the the idea of the end time prophecy. You know, end time events. I, I'm, I'm I'm my thing is as what Christ said: just be ready. You know, no man knows the day or the hour. He said there'll be a man and another man. Two men will be working in the field. One will be taken, one will be left. Two men, you know, uh, two women in the house. One will be taken, and uh, you know, one will be left. Uh, I'm not sure, quite sure what he meant by that. That's debatable. Uh, but the reality is, we just need to be ready. We don't need to be counting And I, and a lot of people have this argument, and I, I actually agree with them that. Those Christians who are anxious for the rapture to happen are those Christians who are not willing to suffer as Christ suffered. They just want to get out the, you know, they want all their troubles to end. That's what they want. That's why they keep calling for the rapture. They don't want to go through the sufferings of, of the world. Soon I will be done with the troubles of this world. That's, that's what they want. They want the rapture to happen so they can get out of here. But, you know, depending on if you're a pre predisp- you know, premillennialist, uh, Pre tribulationist, post tribulationist, mid tribulationist—that <laughs> it, it, that depends. You know, if you believe that you're gonna be caught out of here before the tribulation. You believe you're gonna be caught out here in the middle of the tribulation, then seven years, or after the tribulation, then several years. Then there's the, you know, the millennial reign with Christ. Then he comes back, and the devil, you know, he you know puts the devil out. Then he lets the devil out again. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> I just want to be ready when it happens, if it happens not to doubt it, you know, uh, the concept of the rapture itself, uh, the word rapture is never, is not in the Bible. The concept is presented in a couple, in several scriptures, particularly that in Second Thessalonians and 1 Corinthians 15, uh, where we are caught up, you know, we shall not all sleep, we shall all be changed. 90 seconds. So that that's that's how it is, you know. I'm coming up to my end. I might go over it a little bit, I don't know. But anyway, I said all that to say that we we need to be careful where well, we get our information from. and You know, we need to stick to the Word. We need to be fed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who teaches us. He'll lead us in the way we should go, and um, we don't have to worry about that. But we just need to be more careful and be ready. That's the biggest message. Be 60 ready. Seconds. If the Lord has called you, uh, don't worry about you know, he is faithful and just who has called you, and he will do what he said. That's what scripture says, so that's what we'll do. Beloved, I just want to thank you for sharing with me. I won't be on the air next week. We'll probably come on uh, next Wednesday. We'll probably try to get it on next Thursday if the Lord allows. But again, happy end day of September. Happy beginning of Libra season, and, uh, and everything goes well. The Lord bless you and keep you. This is Pastor Lorenzo Neal. I'm going to get out of this place. And you guys have a wonderful Wednesday, a wonderful Wednesday and a wonderful last day of the year. This is Pastor Neil, and I am out.